Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. In conversations I've had with others about who Jesus is, What's interesting, even for those that don't follow Jesus, they would say that Jesus is a great teacher, uh, that he, he shared great stories, uh, and that he lived a great life. But where people kind of get hung up is, is Jesus, is he the son of God? But even for followers of Jesus, they might appreciate who Jesus is and even him as savior, but sometimes there's a struggle in him as Lord. But this is why I love the New Testament book of Luke, because this is exactly what Luke is addressing. So this man named Theophilus, he's commissioned Luke to basically say, Luke, I need you to investigate as someone who's a great historian, this man who claims to be God. And so that's what Luke does. So we've been in the New Testament book of Luke for a couple of years now. If you're new to Connection Point Church, uh, we like to preach through books of the Bible and it takes a little while. Uh, We'll finish up Luke in January. But we do that because we want the whole counsel of God's word. And, and so as we've been looking at Luke, it's really been investigating the man who claimed to be God. That's what Luke is doing. Because what he tells Theophilus in the first couple of verses of, of Luke is he says, Theophilus, I want you to be certain about these things. So Luke has basically been sharing with us and unpacking for us who is Jesus. And once we know who he is, that should determine then how we respond to him. And in the passage that we're going to be in today in Luke chapter 22, we're going to see the different ways that people sometimes respond to Jesus. And it gives us an opportunity to examine our own hearts. How have we responded to Jesus? How do we respond to him on a daily basis? Because it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's really how are we on an ongoing basis responding to Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's word. If you're new to Connection Point, Honestly, it's just kind of a a way that we like to reinforce. We want you daily in God's word, not just a a once a week opportunity, but daily we want you in God's word being impacted by it. So if you don't have a Bible with you today, we've got one underneath the chair in front of you. You're welcome to borrow that today. If you don't have one at home, feel free to take it home as a gift from the church. We want you to have access to God's word. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, We stand simply to recognize that this is God's word to us, and so we look at it differently. And we want to um, make sure that we apply these words to our life. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22. We'll go all the way through the end of the chapter, but starting in, in verse 54. It says, Then they seized him, so talking about Jesus, some temple soldiers seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. 
When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We've heard it ourselves from his own lips. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So last week, we left off a couple of weeks ago in the passage right before this one, where Jesus is going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we were focusing on the ability we have to be faithful servants. Because everyone in this room is one day meant to hear from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. So we're all supposed to hear. That's what the Father longs to share with us. But then the question is whether it is a bit of a conditional statement because we need to be faithful servants to hear that well done. So the question was, well, how can we be faithful servants? And the first thing we saw is that we need to be authentic. We need to be authentic followers of him, that we don't kiss Jesus on the cheek on Sunday and then go about the rest of our week and have nothing to do with Jesus. We need to be authentic followers. But we also saw in that passage that not only do we need to be authentic in the way that we follow Jesus, but we also need to embrace difficulty by trusting in the sovereignty of God. That's a big one. It's actually going to come back up in, in this passage that we're in today. That part of following Jesus, in order for us to be faithful servants of him, is we live our faith authentically, but then we also embrace difficulty, understanding God has all things in control, that we can trust him in everything, even when things are hard. So that's what it looks like for us to be faithful servants. And, and now today what we're looking at is, is our opportunity as we see who Jesus is. He identifies himself and who he is. Well, then what's our response to him? How do we respond to Jesus according to his identity? The question is really, whose side are you on? The question is, will you follow Jesus? Because the first segment of our passage, what we see is the question is, is will we follow Jesus or will we deny him? Will we follow Jesus or will we deny him? So we have this episode with Peter. He, he uh, goes from the garden. He follows Jesus from a distance. He gets into the courtyard of the high priest. And I want to set the stage a little bit because it's, it can be a little bit confusing in terms of what happens here. Because in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, the temple guard, they come in, Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek, and, and he betrays Jesus, and then the temple guard go to arrest Jesus. But Peter, the fisherman, draws a sword, goes against professional soldiers, and lops off one of their ears. Pretty bold, right? He's pretty bold. But now he gets into a courtyard, and he denies Jesus... Once a middle school girl challenges him. <laughs> like, what in the world? Now I get it. Middle school girls, they can be scary. But what is going on with Peter? Why would he deny Jesus confronted like that? And here's what I would say. When, when Peter's in the garden at Gethsemane, don't forget, now we've been in Luke for a little while now. You got to consider the journey that Peter's been on. Peter's on Mount Hermon, Mount of Transfiguration where he sees Jesus in all of his glory. He knows who Jesus is. And I think he had a lot of boldness in the garden thinking, I'm going to go ahead and step out here and watch Jesus. He's going to back me up. That didn't work out, right? And now Jesus is under arrest. Like Peter is just, he's lost. So then even a middle school girl can throw you off. 
But this is what happens for Peter. What could cause him to deny Jesus is basically he was at that point lacking confidence in God's plan. He was having a difficult time embracing difficulty as part of God's path and trusting in the sovereignty of God. And that can hold true for all of us. All of us have the ability in our lives to deny Jesus with our lives if we don't view our lives through the lens that God has all things under control, everything, even difficult things. God can, we find in scripture, Paul says, bring those things together for the good of those who follow him. And do we trust that? It's easy to trust it kind of in our minds. It's easy to trust it when things are going well, but do we trust that when things are a challenge? And it was hard for Peter to do that. But why was it hard for Peter to do that? Go back to that episode. Peter's in the garden. Jesus gave them instructions. He said, basically begging the disciples, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. But we see that they did not pray. So then what happens? The result? Peter fell into temptation. He, he denied Jesus. So let's reverse engineer that. If we don't want to go down that path, we should pray. We should abide in Jesus for us to have the supernatural strength to fulfill the will of God for our lives. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who abide in Jesus. You cannot bear the weight of your own life. I promise you that you cannot bear the weight of your own life, but God can, he can. So we've got to tap into supernatural strength to live the life that he's called us to live. There's a buy daily guides in your seat back. If you haven't taken one of those home, I'd encourage you to do that. It just walks through. What does it look like to abide in Jesus? Because it says in John chapter 15, if we abide in Jesus, then he'll abide in us. And if Jesus is abiding in you, Paul would say, I can do all things through him who gives me that kind of strength. So you need to abide in Jesus on your own. But you can also join us for corporate times of prayer. Sunday morning, the prayer room, it's full. 6.15, 7.45, and 9.15. Those are three times of prayer. We encourage you to be there. I think there was 20 people there at 6.15. I think another 10 there at 7.45. Another 20 there at 9.15. Praise the Lord. So I encourage you, come out and be a part of being a person of prayer. It's important to pray corporately as well. So pray personally, but I encourage you to pray corporately. For you to have the supernatural strength to not deny Jesus with the way that you live, you need to be a person of prayer. But then we get into the next episode where Jesus is being mocked by the temple guards. Because the question comes in, will I follow Jesus or will I mock him? Will I follow Jesus or will I mock him in the way that I live my life? So the temple guards, they're mocking Jesus, they're making fun of him, they're making fun of religion. They think Jesus is a joke. And I would say that there's many people in our culture today that would maybe hold to that same view of Jesus. But what's interesting is, is those people who would mock him the most, are likely those that need him the most. They really do. But they just don't recognize that need yet, or, or they haven't arrived at that conclusion. So will we follow Jesus or mock him? And I, and I would put it this way for us. Will we follow Jesus or live a mock life in following him? In other words, a life that is pretending to live as though we follow Jesus. That from the outward appearance, it would seem maybe you show up on a Sunday and you're here for, for that. Maybe you even drop some money in the offering. But in the end, where's your heart? Scripture tells us that God looks at the heart. He looks at your inward condition. That's what he's concerned with. He's not concerned with your outward expression. He's concerned with your internal condition. And what happens is, as God changes you from the inside out, it does change the way that you interact. 
Which we've got to make sure that we're not following Jesus in a mocking way, that we're not just going through the motions. We sang about that this morning. Lord, forgive me for going through the motions. That can easily happen in our lives. So are you following Jesus or are you mocking him in the way that you live? For authentically following Jesus will naturally have a heart inclined to serve others. We'll naturally have a heart inclined to love our neighbors. We'll naturally have a heart inclined to share his good news. If you're an authentic follower of Jesus, it's what it looks like. And then we continue in our passage, and then we find that Jesus is being questioned by the religious authorities, by the Jewish leadership. Because the question was, will they follow Jesus, or will they seek his downfall? Will we follow Jesus, or are we going to seek his downfall in our lives? Because here's the thing for the, the religious leadership. They thought Jesus was a nuisance. They did not want him to be their king. And we can fall into that same boat. Is Jesus a nuisance in your life? Are you hoping that he doesn't become king of your heart? Because that's really his desire. Have you accepted Jesus as Savior, but then you've never made him your Lord? But what I would put before you today is Jesus cannot be your Savior until you've made him your Lord. And the religious leadership needed to figure that out too. But he was a nuisance for them. And so Jesus, what does he do? They, they go through the scripture. They, they ask Jesus. They ask him who he is. They say, Jesus, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he says, I tell you, but you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. So they're beginning to question Jesus. And in the end, when they make that statement, are you the Son of God, where are they pulling that from? They're pulling that from, from Psalm 2. And I would say that the, the question for the Jewish leadership has been a question for the human condition for a long, long time, like thousands of years. Because if you go to Psalm 2, Psalm 2 is a wonderful passage that, that parallels ours today. It actually addresses the human condition. So the Jewish leadership, they were basically expressing what we find in Psalm 2. So let me pull that up so I can read that for you. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So the human condition of not wanting the rulership of the Lord in their lives, it's been that way for a long time. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Does that not look a lot like what's happening right now for Jesus on trial? They're taking counsel against Jesus, against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. This is the response of the Jewish leadership. And in, so it is easily our response as well. It is not natural to want the Lord to be, to, for Jesus to be Lord of your life. It's a supernatural endeavor. But God can give you that desire in your heart. Has he given it? Is it your desire that Jesus be Lord of your life? Or are you seeking his downfall in your life? What's the condition of your heart? Are you someone who's looking to deny Jesus, to mock him? Are you seeking his downfall? Or will you follow Jesus? And I think the answer to that question should be tied to who Jesus is. Because that's really the question this morning. Why should you follow Jesus? Because Jesus is the Son of God. And that should be the, the end game for us. If Jesus is the Son of God, then he's worthy to be followed. He's worthy to be followed because he has your best interest in mind. We should follow Jesus because he is the Son of God. The uh, religious, uh, religious authorities, they ask him that question. They ask him, 
Are you the son of God then? And he says to them, you say that I am. So he affirms. He's not denying that he's not the son of God. He's not denying that he's not the son of man. And what Jesus is doing here, he's actually quoting from uh, Psalm 110. He's, he's taking that enthronement uh, illustration from Psalm 110. So if you're actually going through the Read Scripture app with us, this was a psalm for today. I thought, how fun. We're going to pull that in the message too. Psalm 110, here's what it says. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This is what Jesus is referring to. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So this is what Jesus is referring to. But the religious authorities, they're hearkening back to Psalm 2 because they don't ask him about this psalm. They ask him about Psalm 2, which we've already read. And because here's the verses that they're looking at from Psalm 2, 6 and 7. As for me, I have set my king on Zion. So they're basically assuming, well, Jesus, he must be referring to this, that God has set him as the, the, the leader of Zion. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. So it's from this psalm that the religious leaders, they asked Jesus, so then are you claiming that God who's given you all power and authority, which by the way, we're going to keep going through Luke and Acts, and that power that, that God has given Jesus, Jesus gives to us to be his witnesses. Praise the Lord. And so then what the religious authorities are asking is, are you claiming that God has set you as king, that you are the son of God? And Jesus says, I say that I am. I'm not going to deny that I'm not the king on Zion. I'm not going to deny that I'm the anointed one. But then let's look at the rest of that, that psalm. Let's look at those first nine verses and put that together because this is really the, the psalm that's in conversation this morning. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. This is what's happening. Against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart. Saying, Jesus, we don't want you as king. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fear, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Psalm 2 was written with the understanding, it's addressing the human condition. It is natural that we don't want the rulership of Jesus in our life. But the Lord, in his wisdom, is sharing with us, but you need to understand, Jesus is king. And he has the right to ask the nations as his heritage, his inheritance. If you would have been uh, maybe in a church in the, around the 1990s and been at a, at a missions conference, uh, you may have, at the end of that missions conference, circled up in the, in the sanctuary, held hands, and, and singing a song from this verse. Ask of me, and I will give the nations. Does anybody know this song? See, there's, you're like the only one. I asked this in first service, and I'm like, well, maybe you had to just go to my church. I don't know. It seemed like more people knew this song. It is. Ask of me, and I will give the nations as an inheritance for you. Like we would sing this as a mission song. But you know, whenever saying verse 2, verse 2 would have been, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Like who sings that verse? <laughs> but could I put before you today, it's actually that verse that should be our motivation. That says, oh Jesus, you have authority over everyone in the greater Lafayette area. 
including the 150,000 that don't know you as Lord. So Jesus, help me be an ambassador to those people. Help me to help them understand you are a good king and you mean to lead them well because life in the kingdom is meant to be life flourishing. That your marriage in the kingdom is meant to be a marriage that's flourishing. That you as a parent are meant to be flourishing in your relationship with your kids. It doesn't always work out that way. We live in a fallen world. But life in the kingdom is good. And we have to follow the king for it to be good. And we have to follow him not just as Savior, but Lord for it to be good. Because here's the remainder of the verses from that psalm. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. So it's a good God who says, I know you struggle with my authority in your life. I get it. But you need to understand, my son has authority in your life. So please be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son and not the kiss of a betrayer, but the kiss of one who's in intimate relationship with the king. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all. Here's the last verse. This is the prayer point. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If you were to go into our prayer room down hallway number two, we've got this world map, and on it is inscribed this verse of ask of me, and I will give the nations. But it's this last verse that we pray. Oh, Jesus, bless the people of greater Lafayette that they might take their refuge in you. Oh, Jesus, bless the people of the state of Indiana by taking their refuge in you. Oh, Jesus, bless the people of the United States as they take their refuge in you. Bless everyone around the world as they take their refuge in you. This psalm is one of instruction and guidance to say we need to bless the nations. We need to bless our neighbors with the knowledge of the good news of who Jesus is. We struggle. We struggle with the lordship of Jesus because it's it's a war within us. I mean, since the fall of man, that's been the case. But we need to understand we serve a good king and we have opportunity through him to live in a wonderful kingdom both now and forever. And this is why it's so important that we follow him. We must follow Jesus because we are eternal. Our neighbors are eternal and Jesus is the son of God. It's important we follow him. The Jewish leaders, they really struggled. They struggled with who Jesus was. They asked him, If you are the Christ, tell us. But here's what he says. If I tell you, you will not believe. That's a good question. That's a good statement for all of us. Even if Jesus told you, would you believe? Even if Jesus showed up in person right now and he told you, would you believe that he's the son of God? That's what we've been covering in the New Testament book of Luke. If you weren't here for our messages on Good Friday and Easter as we talk about his death and resurrection, we know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So my statement is, if somebody predicts their death and their own resurrection, they pull it off, we listen to that guy. (laughs) Jesus was dead. He was resurrected from the dead. He is the Son of God. So it's important that we follow him. I shared last week from John 3, 16 and 17 that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him, will never perish, but have eternal life. And then verse 17, he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. But we need to understand there's two comings of Jesus. He came so that we can be saved, but we have to choose him. 
Because God loves us so much, he won't force us to love him. But we also need to understand, he is coming back again. And what's ironic about this passage, because Jesus is being judged, he will be the one who comes back as the judge. And he will be the one who will be judging, according to the life that we've lived. Will we be good and faithful servants? Will we be someone who follows him, or someone who denies him, mocks him, or seeks his downfall? The question is before all of us today. It's in the passage because it's for all of us to consider. My encouragement is, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, because we are eternal. Our neighbors are eternal. They need that good news too, that he is the son of God. How much confidence could you have in life if you really knew that you've made Jesus Savior and Lord? Understanding confidently that you can stand before Jesus and give account for your life and say, and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. How much more purpose could you have in life if you understood you were bringing others along with you on that journey? That Jesus is for you, but Jesus is for others. God means to not only fill you with hope for tomorrow, he also means to fill you for, with purpose for today. Will you allow Jesus to do that? I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. Before we close in song, I just want to ask that maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the king of your heart. But it's his desire to be that. And today you'd say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to deny him. I don't want to mock him. I don't want to seek his downfall in my life. So with every head bowed in this room, if, if today you're in that spot to say, Jesus, I want to make you king of my heart. I just want to encourage you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you before we leave today. We don't want you to walk out of this room unsure. We want you to walk out sure of what your eternal destiny is. But the only way that happens is with Jesus. Anybody here today that say, that's me, I, I want to make Jesus king of my heart today. Just raise your hand and we'll pray with you before we go. Over here on the right, anybody else that say, that's me, I want to follow Jesus and make him king of my heart. Anybody else today? Jesus, I just thank you for the one that raised their hand. Maybe there's others in this room, this space, that have a desire to make you king of their heart. Jesus, I just pray that they would surrender themselves to you. They wouldn't go through the motions in life, but Jesus, that you would truly be king of their hearts, king of their lives. Establish yourself firmly in the way that they, they move forward from here. Jesus, may all of our responses to you be worthy of the fact that you are the son of God, that you sit at the right hand of the father. You've been given all power and authority. That The Lord has given you the nations. So Lord, I just pray that the the people of Greater Lafayette area would be blessed by taking their refuge in you. Lord, I do pray that people all across the state be blessed as they take their refuge in you. Lord, help us to be good news carriers. Help us to be authentic followers. Help us to not deny you, mock you, or, or seek your downfall in the way that we live our lives. But Lord, may we just follow you with our, all of our hearts, holding nothing back from you. Lord, go with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the one who raised their hand and, and maybe others are in this space, uh, Pastor Mark's going to be up front here and we'll have some prayer team members as well. But our heart is we don't leave you alone in that decision because we may make a decision to, to follow Christ alone, but we grow in Jesus together. And so we want to help you grow in Jesus, that we want to give you a Bible and information on where you go from here in following Jesus. So if you raise your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to have answers on what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime, come meet with Pastor Mark. We'll have some prayer team members that will meet with you and share with you what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime.
But for the rest of us, may we sing. May we sing with our whole hearts and say, Jesus, help me to dethrone myself that you might be enthroned in my life. And let's do that in song this morning.